Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Welcome back to another Global ITAM Summit episode. We have an individual one-on-one interview with the esteemed Rory Canavan. How are you, Rory? I, I'm great. Thanks, Jeffrey. I'm, it's good to see you're still taking the bribes, calling me yeah. esteemed and everything. So thank you for that. Oh, my. Oh, my. We're happy to have you on. The illustrious Rory, right? <laughs> all right. So I'm asking the same four questions for all the guests. And mm-hmm. so for you and your world, what does good look like? And that's such a loaded question. And I mean it so. And so it's yours to interpret how you desire. Okay. So I have I've a couple of points around what good looks like. So firstly, um, lean IT. So essentially, businesses are deploying software and services that are used and aligned to a business and, and or IT goal then at that point. So yes. um, we're not um, uh, letting software, uh, hardware and software services um, just run ad nauseum in the hope that they'll deliver value one day. Right. There is this sort of keen eye on what, what benefit or, or value is it delivering. Um, subject to deployment so that's that's absolutely vital but also doing that thing of not just saying it serves a purpose but does that purpose serve a higher IT or business goal as well is equally very important Um, and that's that's it in a in a very short and sweet nutshell there I think that's um, because I don't see enough of that I still see too many people chasing ELPs Yes. and wondering how they look in respect of um, an Oracle, an IBM, or a Microsoft Lens. I'm with you. And can I repackage what you said in my very common American vernacular? Everything we should do should be aligned to a strategic mission, vision, goal, or objective. And then for the organization, and then we have IT initiatives that support that. And everything we do in the SAM world should be tied or aligned to those greater objectives. Couldn't agree more. Yes, no, that's great. Absolutely. I I don't know that I could add anything to that. And so when we don't do that, or we have something that's legacy that we still carry around like baggage, it's technical debt and we have to call it what it is, right? Absolutely. And it's worth then, if if you have made that alignment between... um, uh, and an IT and or business goal as to the, the assets and, and where they serve. Um, what you can start to do then is, is offer cost benefit analysis yes. of the, the value of the IT stack to that given IT service or business goal against what it brings in. And typically what you're going to find is that legacy will require extra cosseting, extra support, um, extra pampering and maintenance that perhaps more modern modern equipment and modern services and software doesn't necessarily need. Yep, and but it's it's painful up front, beneficial long run. And sometimes we're like, no, we keep let's just keep putting a band aid over it and carry it along with that. And when I leave, that'll be somebody else's problem, you know. And we kick the can, so to speak. Absolutely, but it, what what we're finding as well, Jeffrey, is that it's band aid over band aid over band aid. Yes. yes, because. People, because the documentation and and the knowledge transfer was so poor when the equipment first went in, when it was bright and shiny, 
and it wasn't considered legacy, um, there is this automatic assumption that the knowledge transfers, that Bob talks to Fred, Fred talks to Mary, Mary talks to Jane. It, it, not necessarily so. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. It doesn't happen in my house. I can't imagine it happens in a workload. You know what I mean? Like, and we're always surprised that, oh, you do have that at this time. Thank you. You know what I mean? And so we can't expect that in a work world that everybody's so focused on doing their primary job that it's, you know, that knowledge transfer. So we talked about what good looks like. Yeah. What are some of the steps that organizations can take to become good or achieve good work? So um, this is um, a particular soapbox of mine, um, and I go back to that thing of tackling sound from the point of view of, of an ELP. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been through a vendor audit, we've experienced a world of pain, we've bought a sound suite to uh, lessen any pain moving forward, we generate our own ELPs, and then we still stare at it with bewildered awe um, from a, a sort of a SVP VP level, um, and there's a red or black figure at the bottom of the report, and it's like, well, I don't care what you do, just make that better. Right. Translating that red or black figure to a course of action back into the IT estate is a nigh on impossibility. However, where we can start is from an ISO perspective is we can attempt to shrink that scope. The smaller your scope of management, the greater the concentration you can focus on those IT assets. So if you have IT assets that are not being used, uninstall them or recover them or dispose of them properly so that you force them through the right point of their life cycle. If software is uninstalled, it doesn't need patching, it doesn't need version control, it doesn't provide points of entry or exit to the IT estate. It affords you the opportunity then to perhaps go through a rationalization exercise. So all the versions, additions and releases of a title can be consolidated and then you can consolidate across classification. So um, how many PDF readers, example, do you need? How many flavors of Unix or Linux do you actually need across the IT estate? So that there's that, that delivers economies of scale as well then at that point for procurement because they're dealing with fewer contracts yeah. to, um, to, to renegotiate and remanage the IT estate. And it provides lower overheads for, for patching and version control. So, Starting with that, and, and of course, there is that thing as well, of course, is if you want to install software, you could actually be removing compliance risk because some of those installations may not be licensed as well. Um, and the, the swing around on that is that if you do remove um, software that is licensed, which is fine because it's not being used, that license could offset an installation that perhaps may not have been licensed. Yep. It is being used, so you can you can reapportion the license there. On the hardware side as well, make sure that if you're disposing of hardware, that the destruction certificates come back to whichever tool you're using to uh, to inventory the IT estate, and make sure that they are archived, not from the point of view of necessarily worrying about the hardware, although that is quite important, but also because if you archive your hardware devices in an inventory tool, it frees up the software that's on them. So that software can go back into the license pool again. So you're shrinking your, your IT escape, uh, IT scope, um, and it's giving you better management and better visibility um, to, to do the refinements and to do the stuff that takes you higher up that IT asset management curve. And allows you to reallocate uh, resources to what's important to you. 
Yeah, like exactly. And yes. and also yeah, go ahead. And and also I was going to say as well, if if you take that hardware step, what it prevents you doing is potentially buying new software to go with the hardware that you've just disposed of because you don't believe that there's software that can be reallocated to a new device. Yeah. I was just thinking that that the allocation reallocation is where the, the money is made. And because we have so much waste and, you know, like if I was taking a trip from here to there and I took this circuitous route, you'd say, that's wasteful. Why don't you go straight there? And I'm like, well, that's how we should focus on the value and go straight to the value and not, not deviate. Yeah. And, and let's face it, the value in an ELP is for the software vendor. It is not yeah. for the business. And I think that's, that's a problem that Sam has. Its focus is towards compliance. And the people who only really care about compliance truly um, are the vendors. Yep. And, but we also have regulatory compliance. We also have other th reasons that we need to track the, these things, as well as risk exposure you mentioned. Yes. There's so much of this. And I have this view that maybe it's me and I'm just jaded from the last two years and I'm okay with that thought. I, I don't think it's true, but I'm okay if people think this. But I think disruption is coming in almost every field because if anything, the last two years have taught us is that we should not assume that yesterday will be tomorrow. So in the SAM world, software asset management, you take it hardware as well. What mm -hmm. disruption do you see coming on the horizon? Um, on Literally on the horizon, I would argue blockchain. Yes. So if we, um, again, if we take SAM or ITAM as a, as a discipline or as an entity, uh, sorry, as a discipline, you're managing entities and your entities within ITAM possibly at a foundation level are the request, the purchase and the deployment. And they are like three different elements. They are separate and distinct. However, from a SAM or an ITAM perspective, what we want to do is to drive those um, elements together and to make a molecule is to make um, a, a compound, if you will, to use a chemical a chemistry analogy. Um, and we want to close the air gaps between those so that they are they are drum tight. Um, and blockchain gives us the ability to do that. So that what we request is what we pay for. What we pay for is what we install. And what we install is what we asked for in the first place. We don't just do that ITIL thing of proceeding with a purchase, proceeding with an installation and hoping that the magic happens and that they get joined up, joined up together. There is technology in place now that will do that for us. Um, now, whether software vendors go down that route is another matter because they might be then interested in, you know, creating their own NF NFTs. Right. That's that's a possibility as well. So all of a sudden, your um, uh, your IT estate is a bit like um, my my sort of student experiences moving away from home first time, and all of a sudden you're putting meters in the coin, you're putting NFTs into the yeah. uh, in, into the box, uh, you know, to make sure that uh, you can um, actually use the software and potentially as well. You could argue that's the the model with the cloud as it is already. But the joy of going down that blockchain route, of course, is that it should, in theory, prevent non-compliance. Because if you haven't paid for it, you can't use it. 
Right. And if you try to use it beyond the terms and conditions of a, a sort of some sort of Ethereum contract, it should stop you doing that. So there's a there's a mind job for you. You can. Yes, I was also thinking the uh, AR VR world with the metaverse and trying to license all the software that's in the metaverse. That's some augmented reality will be mm -hmm. a huge, huge step for our minds to try to get to. You know, because you step into the metaverse and it's an alternative universe. And now you know, we have we struggle doing licensing in the real world. And now we're in this this pseudo world trying to play catch up. I, I must admit, I haven't seen much of uh, of the metaverse. Um, I, I did have fantasies a while back, you know, my Alan Sugar moments when I've taken over Sam and, and achieved global domination. But we take <laughs> we take that Sam or ITAM suite. Um, and rather than interact with it via a keyboard and a screen, actually, we put on a set of goggles and, um, uh, you know, we start to sort of run through our, um, our entitlements and our deployments. And we, we treat it rather like Minority Report or, yes. or, or Tron or, or whatever sort of example you want to offer there. Um, but I'm a, I'm a world away from that yet. So, yeah. Yeah, but all that's coming. I mean, like the, the thing that we know is what is today won't be tomorrow and mm. it'll be different and we have to adjust. So that's why I appreciate you as a SAM expert, software asset management for those not familiar, being able to share your knowledge, just the way we think of things. And the reason I say that is a lot of our, our personal ideas are shaped by the inputs we have. And so I appreciate you sharing your thoughts so Rory, are there any parting words that you would like to, you know, bestow upon us today? Parting words, um, stay safe. Obviously in these times, it's quite surreal as to what we're going through at the moment, particularly in Europe. Um, but in respect of the, uh, the, the IT asset management discipline or the SAM discipline is um, just be aware that ELPs are not the be all and end all. Um, you've got greater opportunities to drive cost avoidance and cost savings before you get to the generation of an ELP. Don't, don't put the cart before the horse. There is no point in generating an ELP and then trying to reverse engineer it back into the IT estate. And where you will really see that benefit kick through is if you improve, say, your, your given processes, say, around requests, around deployment, or around procurement, what you're going to find is that those improvements will cascade beyond that one ELP. So if you're having a bad time requesting Microsoft software, there's a fair chance you're having a bad time requesting Oracle, IBM, SAP, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the benefits go wider than just looking after one vendor if you get it right to the processing. So let me repackage that. When you okay. say ELP, you mean a vendor specific license position. Yes. And what you're saying, yeah. and what you're saying is, hey, we need to get our overall internal process where we understand our entitlements and what we're using, and we internally have we understand where we are versus only understanding our license position with Microsoft because if it's crummy, it's all going to be crummy. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That that would be a, a good a good summation. There. Yes. Sorry, I just want to make sure because we use jargon and I just want somebody that's not familiar with these these license position documents that you get with your 
your vendor, they are a one point in time document and you should be seeing it through the, like, I always use this analogy where that's like taking, going to the movie theater, walking in a random movie, taking a photograph and walking out. You don't understand what the whole movie's about. And it's better to have the whole movie in your software stay than just the snapshot. I'm, I'm going to pinch that one. That's a great, a great analogy. Yes, that's brilliant. Um, yes. The, the degradation of your um, compliance report is driven by change on the IT estate. So, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a half-life. You know, you wouldn't rely on a compliance report from six months or 12 months ago. The vendors certainly don't. They expect you to have data within 90 days of any given presentation. Yeah. Um, why would you? Why would you rely on that data from being that old? Yep. I'm glad to share. You're sharing knowledge. I give you an, an, an analogy. We feel even here. And so <laughs> thank you for joining us, Rory. It's great having you on. We have you on frequently. And thank you for being a part of our panel. Uh, have a great day. Rory and audience, thanks again. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's been a pleasure. All right, bye.